Hey, and welcome to the Get Richer Teacher podcast. My name is Ola, and I'll be your guide and mentor on your way to realizing your potential as an educator. If the title of the podcast is triggering, that's even better, because that means that I still have some work to do. My mission is to help teachers work independently and believe that they deserve more freedom and more money. As a teacher, you are allowed to work with your perfect students rather than some random people challenging how much you charge and asking why so much. If you're ready to become a richer teacher, build and scale an independent teaching business that can support your dreams and your lifestyle, then you're in the right place. The world knows that teachers are superheroes. Let's get paid what we're worth, shall we? Hello, hello, dear teacher, and welcome to another episode of Get Richer Teacher. So as we're approaching the season of uh, summer, (laughs) I mean, summer is here, but I have felt like it might be a good time for some people to start thinking about the next steps and how they could um, develop their business, take it to the next level. And one of those ways might be adding passive income to it. And you know, I've been talking about passive income quite a lot. I actually want to let you in on a secret. So the previous launch of my course on email marketing, that is also a lead up to um, passive income because having an email list is going to make it so much easier to work, to sell passive products. So if you have been in my and Lauren's program, uh, Email Fluent, then you're lucky because you're in for a treat very soon. If you haven't, then obviously there will be a chance to join. Um, But just wanted to let you know that if you've been thinking about uh, opening, starting a newsletter, this is definitely going to be one of the strategies that we will be, um, that I'll be covering um, as part of teaching you how to add passive income to your, to your business. But today, today I wanted to talk to you about those five things. There might be a bit more at some point that you will need to unlearn. So you better get familiar and aware of, of the things that are probably not allowing you to make progress. And that will definitely stand in the way of you um, working towards your passive income goals in your teaching business. And I have had quite a long thinking session before recording this episode because I wanted to really capture what are the biggest mistakes, what are the biggest struggles that people have when it comes to um, taking that step into into passive income, selling courses, selling selling ebooks, selling programs, whatever, resources and things like that, that are not lessons, basically. And this is what it, basically, those five things are what it boils down to. These are the things that I definitely struggled with and I see teachers struggle with on and on. Um, so here it is. I'm letting you letting you in on things that I coach people through because they're they are not easy. They are very difficult things that you that you might not even realize that um that are there. And one thing that I want to say is that I never want you to feel guilty. I never want you to feel that there is something wrong with you. You're a teacher, and I feel that there is enough stigma around being a teacher and like 
um, I feel like a lot of teachers have this mindset of, okay, I've made my bed, now I have to sleep in it. So they think that I've chosen this career, so now I have to deal with the consequences, which for some people mean being stuck in a job at school. For some people, it means being stuck as a freelancer, because there is also like the fact that people leave school and don't work for for um, language uh, academies or whatever and start their freelance careers doesn't mean that they are immune to burnout or feeling stuck because, you know, we translate patterns that we had in previous jobs to our new careers. So it's very, very normal. But if you're at the stage where you're starting, where you're starting to realize, hey, I could do something else. There is this, this feeling that, oh, okay, I think I'm ready. And I would love to find out if that's for me, then this episode will definitely, definitely be helpful. If not, if you're not thinking about passive income, I want you to still listen to it because you might realize that there are a few things that are keeping you stuck and keeping you um, even, you know, a little bit on a plateau when it comes to your freelance business, because there are definitely a few things that you can implement in your freelance business that will help you stand out, that will help you have better boundaries that you might be doing now. Okay, enough rumbling. Let's move on to the five things that you need to unlearn to be successful and add a successful, profitable, in passive income stream to your business. Number one, and the biggest one, because we're teachers, it's all about education. So, the thing that we all think that we com- need to stop, stop thinking, is seeing your work through the prism of educational value. How does it start? It And how does it manifest? It manifests, for example, in Instagram. You know, I love rambling about Instagram. Um, it manifests through posts, educational language posts. This is what so many people do. They build an audience of people who are used to educational value, who are used to educational posts with language. And there is a point related to that as well in a moment. But the only way, so it's a mindset issue not for, for once, it's, it's we think that we can only prove ourselves by teaching people a new piece of language. I've even heard somebody uh, who has had great success, but I think they are still quite stuck when it, and I think they could be potentially doing more. Like, you know, um, they are, they said that if they didn't post this kind of content, um, they would lose their status of an expert, which I so disagree with. You have to understand that in order to be a successful business person, you have to, for a moment at least, or find times during your working week when you leave your teaching identity outside the door of your office, your your desk, whatever. You have to stop being a teacher when you're thinking about your business. I want you to be more intentional about thinking, okay, I am now working on marketing my business. So content is marketing. I don't have to teach all the time. And the same with your products. Your products are not there to teach there. I've said it. 
They are not there to teach. They are there to help people reach a goal. And you have to start thinking about it in those terms. You have to start imagining that a product that you release, no matter how small, quote unquote, or big, it is bringing somebody a solution to their problem. So if you focus on the educational value of everything, you're not going to go far. I mean, there are cases when people on social media, let's say, let's use that example, they build their profiles on posting lots of educational content and words and grammar and all stuff like that. And then they get paid deals. Absolutely. That's a way of making business, but that's not the business model I teach. So when I I understand that it might be frustrating when sometimes I give uh, my clients the advice of basically minimizing um, the posting of uh, language content to the absolute minimum, but then they see those big profiles who are successful, quote unquote, um, with big followings and big and like tons of educational and linguistic content. And they're like, well, how come? Like, maybe that's what I should post too. But what they don't understand is that the business model behind it is 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 it's like it's completely different. I don't even know if it works. I would love for someone to do some research. Maybe I will do it at some point. But I have a suspicion and I have heard from lots of people who actually were in that situation that people with massive followings with lots of linguistic uh, content are actually not that successful. Maybe not that successful like when it comes to goals that my clients used to have, uh, usually have. So the goals that my clients usually have are having more sustainable income, not relying on one-to-ones, or having students that come to them from uh, social media. Those goals are very hard to reach if you post educational content all the time. There are always exceptions to the rule, always. So don't be surprised if you see people who do that, even though you don't resonate with that, because I know so many people who come to work with me and they say, just doesn't sit well with me to feed people more information, more words, more phrases, more stuff like that. I also just, just, just rebel against it so much because I think it adds to the noise. It doesn't help anybody who in the world has ever learned a language by bloody consuming more words tell me show me a person like this uh and i still won't believe it but anyways so people get frustrated because they see it and they see it as success because those profiles are big and those people are successful or on youtube or instagram or other social media platforms but again What you have to understand is that it is not a way to reach the goals that you have, unless your goal is having paid sponsorship deals or like being an influencer, or you just do it because you like it, then go for it, whatever. But most people I work with, they want to have sustainable income, at least a sustainable way of um, generating what we call generating leads. So people interested in their lessons and courses or to sell passive products. So yes, you might be able to sell passive products to a big following and it might work, but very often it's 
the content that is being created in this way is way too generic, way too generic. And that's how we move on to point number two is if you focus on the language too much, because that's, that's another mistake. That's another thing, um, that, uh, you need to unlearn. If you focus on the language too much, you miss something that is key in marketing. People do not study language or buy courses related to language for the sake of language. I want you to tattoo it on your forehead if you want, or just at least write it on a post-it. People do not study language for the sake of studying language. There is always something much deep. Sometimes it's not even deep, but there is always a motivation behind it. What I happen to notice is that those motivations are quite limited. They are usually limited to four, maybe five things. And the, they are the things around, along the lines of pleasure, study, work, relationships, and one more that I just forgot for now. But there is always something more than just the language itself. There are people who are language nerds. I personally am a language nerd, but still, I have recently had this idea to maybe start learning Spanish again, or maybe Italian, because it's nice. Um, even though I don't have like a transactional motivation or external motivation to do it, such as, you know, I don't need to find a job in Italy or Spain, or I don't need to study there. I would just do it for pleasure, or so I am able to watch, um, what is it, Money Heist in original in Spanish. That's still a motivation. It's pleasure. It's pleasure or like personal satisfaction or so I keep my busy ADHD brain um, occupied and stimulated. Like there is always something. So if you focus on the language too much, there is, it's very hard to communicate the value of what you do. And the value of what you, of what you do is again beyond education. So it's all linked. Can you see that? And when it comes to communicating the value, if you can't communicate it, then people don't see it. And then you start thinking, oh, there's probably something wrong with me, my lessons, my courses, my products. So they have no chance of selling. They have no chance, absolutely no chance. Because if the people don't understand it, they will not buy. And it doesn't mean that you there is something wrong with you as a person. You just haven't reined in the the simple truth that it's not about education, that it's not about the language. It's about solutions, transformations, and people's motivations to study language. Another thing is focusing, and that's thing number three, uh, is focusing on what rather than for who. So a lot of people, and you may know, I mean, you probably heard me speak about it. I tell you to find your niche, right? I tell you that it's a good idea to have a specific um, area of expertise and sp specific help, uh, uh, type of people that you help. And that's still true. That's still like absolutely the advice that I give. But people misinterpret that. People misinterpret that and they focus on things such as business English and that's their niche. Or they focus on Polish people and that's their niche. Or they focus on uh, 
I don't know. Uh, language for specific purposes, and that's their niche, right? So while sometimes people focus on people, which is uh, would be my advice, shifting that what to for who, um, it's still very often not specific enough, and it's still very often it just it just doesn't doesn't really work. So while there is a little caveat here, I am fully aware that. Most other languages, other than English, have less of a problem to stand out because their languages are not global languages. Um, and it's much easier to stand out in those fields because it's just, there is just fewer people who, um, who offer those kind of services. In the English teaching world, you have to become not even specific. You have to become micro-specific or nano-specific when it comes to the people that you serve. People, not what. It's the people. Because when you, only then you're going to be able to clarify your products and the messaging around your products and how it helps those people. If you create if you if your marketing is generic if your marketing is geared towards everybody because you're facing the mindset gremlin that every teacher i know faces is like but what if i choose too specific of a niche and then i'm excluding some people i mean you're literally shooting yourself in the foot if you use broad marketing because it doesn't work It doesn't reach anybody. Like, think of yourself. I know that we don't like marketing and selling uh, messaging, but if you had to prefer watching TV and then it being interrupted, I know it's less of a thing now, but let's imagine that we're 10 years ago and we're, you're watching a film and it's being interrupted by uh ads on tv which are some of them are ads of shampoos some of them are ads of um i don't know new cars some of them are ads of some other shit for parents with babies whatever or the other option is seeing an ad on facebook that seems like literally something curated for you like oh my god you're a person with those needs, with that kind of problem, and you see an ad that is, oh, you might still have opinions about this ad, you might not like it, but at least it's relevant to you. So I personally would no doubt choose the other option. And I very often bought things just because they're targeting what's so good. So what you really need to focus is be clear on who you are helping rather than what you do. Point number four. Oh, I lied. There's going to be six, not five. Haha. <laughs> I made a point with three number, made a list with 2.3. Haha. <laughs> That's me and my ADHD brain. Oh, well. Number four is going to be being passive. So if you're passive, um, because you think, you know, even the passive income itself, Um, by the way, there is a massive myth around passive income that you may have heard, but if not, I really, really would love to see you at my event next week. Um, next week, if you're listening it in the 
to it in the future, then it won't make sense. But there is an event on the 26th of June, um, 2023, called Mission Passive Income. And it's completely free and you can sign up to it uh, via the link in the description of this episode. And I would love to see you there because I will be talking about what it takes to actually build passive income into your business and what models there are. So you'll see what I mean when it comes to a passive myth. But when it comes to being passive uh, as a as a thing that we kind of do and need to unlearn to add passive income to your business or to make progress in general, is it means being passive in your marketing. So just basically having a website or a profile and letting people come to you. It's it's it doesn't work. It doesn't. It just I can tell you that it doesn't work and it it will never work and you will just be disappointed because you will probably put a lot of work into making things look beautiful and curated, but they will not generate interest into your things. So the way it's connected to the previous point is that the more clear you are on your target audience, the more active you can be in reaching them. Because when you understand who they are, um, and that's something that I am super passionate about because people, people really struggle with that. And that's why in my next, in the next edition of the rocket, I'll be addressing that in so much detail. This will be actually the first thing that we'll be addressing, um, is getting so clear that it feels like you literally live with your client <laughs> because you need to know them so well. I currently feel like this about my clients. I know them so well that I literally at least once a month get a message from someone who says, oh my God, I feel like you really understand me. Like you really know what I struggle with. And that's what I want you to achieve as well. I want you to be actively getting to know your people, but also actively letting them know about your offers. because. Without that, things will just live on your website. And I am going to sh- uh, let you in on a secret. There are products on my website and you can go and have a look. There are They are called passive income products. So, you know, in theory, they should just stay there and I should be making money. Still, if I if they just sit there on my website, they never sell. Never, ever, ever. So that's why that's also another piece of the puzzle. Even when you launch something once, like a passive product, whatever it is, a digital course, a a resource, a PDF, you still have to make effort to sell it later on in the future. Because we have been let in on a, to believe a really stupid lie that it just takes to create something and then it will sell itself. Absolutely not. That's where the older selling fun begins. But that's, again, something that I'll be teaching. Then another thing that we need to unlearn, and it's such a big problem for teachers, is taking responsibility for people's results. So many teachers come to me and tell me, but how can I say on my sales page that people will uh within 10 weeks they will blah 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 so i understand that it's very hard to say it because it feels like you are giving a promise but you have to understand that you're not making any promises you are drawing a picture you're painting a picture not even drawing painting a picture of what's available and obviously we wouldn't make those claims without any proof and that's why we build products based on um, 
knowledge that we have from previous work with previous clients, previous students who have had some results. We don't just create things and say, hey, this is the best thing in the world. You just buy it and it's going to bring you whatever, all the happiness in the world. Absolutely not. We need social proof and we need proof of concept. But that's, again, something that we can get by taking action in business and and like as part of the selling process. But remember, it's not your responsibility that whether people achieve the result that you draw or paint the picture of or not. It's only up to them. You're giving a hundred percent off of you. And I bet this is relevant also to your lessons. You give them a hundred percent of yourself, of your knowledge and expertise and your advice and the tools. But what they do with it is their thing. It's absolutely their thing. So again, in all honesty with you, I have run the rocket course four times now. 70 people have been through that program. Does it mean that everybody is now a successful millionaire teacher? Absolutely not. Because people have different stories. People have different circumstances. People struggle with different things. People need different things. And their timelines are so different. And some people are going to struggle for longer. Some people, for some people, it's going to take, it's going to take shorter. And it's hard for me at times to not think that it's my fault in a way, because maybe I should have done something differently. Um, and my way of kind of dealing with that is always reminding myself that I've done everything I possibly could and reminding myself of people who have already taken action and have had results and that it is possible. But, but I would be really lying if I said that it is going to look the same. So like, I feel like this is this is something that um that bro marketing that I've recently been very passionate about or against let's say um they kind of promise things that then don't become true because they don't take into account that people are different that people have different like starting points and we absolutely appreciate that we absolutely need to be aware that that's still the case but um People have still, it's not your fault or it's not your responsibility that people um, achieve or don't achieve certain goals. Because if you fall into the trap of always taking responsibility for people's um, results, then you're going to continue discounting your work. You're going to continue give away too much of your time for free. And you're going to be using lots of toxic mechanisms that are not allowing people to become independent as well. And I know because I've been there. I've been there. I've been doing that a lot. Um, so I want you to rethink. And finally, the, the other thing that we need to unlearn when it comes to um, things that are not allowing us to make progress in business to sell products and, or sell in general, are letting mindset gremlins win. And there are lots of mindset gremlins that come up. There are the tech ones. So I'm not good with tech, so I can't sell things, right? How popular is that? It's just a mindset gremlin. You can learn. I learned all this stuff. Yes, I like it. And you don't have to like it. You can learn or you can outsource. You can ask for help. That's why help is available. Or 
that it's the low hanging fruit that, oh my God, how can I sell things when I'm not involved in delivery? It's hard for teachers to come, um, to like, accept that as a way of making money it's hard not to sabotage it because we think that if we're not involved in helping somebody reach their language goals then it's less impactful but it's not again it's just a mind gremlin or maybe it's just a general one about you being a non-native speaker for example or that you're you're just not good enough and how can you just come up with a product that helps somebody what i always say to people who feel like this or like feel like they are not good enough is remember that you don't have to be perfect at something in order to be able to help other people you can just be good enough at it to help other people that's my case I am not perfect and I say it all the time because I don't want people to hold me up to impossible standards. I want people to know that I'm a human being with my doubts and with my imperfections and that sometimes my things don't work, but you also have permission to not be perfect, but still be successful and help people on a massive scale because that's what passive income allows. You can help people on a much bigger scale and um, make a much bigger impact. And there are others. There are things such as, oh, what if nobody buys? So what? What if I have no ideas? Maybe it's time to look for them. Maybe it's time to take a bloody break from your one-to-one hamster cycle or circle and look for ideas. Hmm. So there's so much... And it might seem overwhelming and maybe you're thinking, oh my God, I didn't even think about this. But that's why I'm telling you about all those things that we usually think that are definitely not contributing to our success. And as teachers, we're prone to believe certain things that are harder to overcome um, because of our profession. So I want you to make a reflection on all of those. Which ones, which of those things did you Do you still think? Do you need to unlearn? Do you see your work through the prism of educational value? Do you only think that it's valuable if it's educational? Do you focus on the language too much? Do you focus on what rather than for who too much? Are you passive? Do you take too much responsibility for people's results? Or do you let any mindset gremlins win? If you want to let me know, uh, your thoughts after listening to this. I would absolutely love that. We will have some time to discuss um, some of these after the live events, the two-day live event next week, Mission Passive Income. So also bring any of your thoughts there. And otherwise, thank you so much for listening. And I hope I've given you lots of food for thought. That's it from me for today. And I'll see you next week. Bye. It's not your fault that you don't know how to make good money as a teacher or how to market your teaching. Nobody's ever taught you, but I'm on a mission to change that. Teachers make the world a better place and they can be excellent at business. They just need direction. That's what I'm giving you here and on my YouTube channel under the same name. 
Make sure that you also follow me on Instagram at hola underscore coaches underscore teachers and check out my website www.olakowalska.com to see if any of my paid offers, including my one-to-one coaching, my business foundation course, The Rocket, or my membership for teachers in business could be the right fit for you. I'll see you soon in the next episode.